citizens of Earth, welcome to our weekly or bi-weekly, perhaps, uh, Zoom cloud meeting or uh, podcast known as the Accelerative Thrust. I'm Dan. And I'm Eric. And we have somewhat of an announcement. Yeah, Dan and I have realized that we have a lot going on outside of this podcast. And so we're going to cut it down to uh, every other week. That really shouldn't make that big of a difference because, you know, we've been on sort of a fluctuating schedule anyway. So, I, and I purposely didn't say bi-weekly because I truly don't understand how bi-weekly means every other week and not twice a week, but <laughs> whatever. That's a really, really <laughs> good point. Bi-weekly rolls off the tongue. Yeah. So maybe that's the reason why people, you know, you know what it is. Hmm. This generation's taking the easy way out again, damn it. Yeah, it's this generation. Gen Z has ruined bi-weekly. Gen Z. Yeah. Gen Z. Um, We're the only ones that know what's up. Generation X. So wait a minute. So Gen Zers say bi-weekly? That's what you're telling me? Yeah, they ruined it. Gen Z's fault. Because anything that, like, we're old guys, Eric. We're supposed to blame the young ones for everything, right? Yeah, just like that's a good show. Young, young ones. I've never seen the young ones. For a second, I thought you said young guns. I've never seen young guns, but I've seen young guns too. Yeah. Oh, really? No, but I've seen them both. I actually like both of them because they're literally like the only two westerns that I can really get it. Because I'm not really a fan of westerns. Yeah, westerns. Like I like some of the older ones. Like my dad watches this show every morning called the high, I think it's called the high chaparral or something like that, which mm. is really interesting. It's got a really kick-ass theme song mm. that is, I mean, that's one thing I love about most 50s, 60s shows is I really like the theme songs to those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, Young Guns, the thing that I really like about Young, first of all, it's it's like the Brat Pack version of the Western, you know? Mm-hmm. It was like an updated version. But the thing that was hilarious about Young Guns in retrospect, because I, it's one of those movies that I like because of a nostalgia situation more than anything. Because I used to, I grew up like, I, I put that movie in with the action movies that I watched, like Tango and Cash, Lethal Weapon. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Growing up in the 80s, every like seven-year-old boy wanted to be like you know macho when they grew up or wanted you know what i mean just because they saw these movies like oh it would be so cool to swing from a wire that could kill you Mm -hmm. you know and (laughs) land on the ground and die but you don't die because you're like this strong cop you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. you know you know what i'm saying like i do young guns was kind of that way too like there was that sort of like uh, but it was like done with like Emilio Estevez, Charlie mm-hmm. Sheen, <laughs> nice. uh, Kiefer Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phillips. But what was also hilarious about it is that um, the music was like new wave music, mm. like or really bad, like electronic sort of like not even new wave music. It was like, um, I don't know. It was it was just mm. the music did not fit. And that's part one or both? Part two had uh, John Bon Jovi doing the soundtrack, so Mm. never mind. Uh, But he did. Yeah, Blaze of Glory, right? 
story. Yes, exactly. And so to be fair, he did kind of go like a sort of a Western like country direction on that soundtrack. So yeah. I, I think they're both good movies. I think I enjoy them when they do come on. I do kind of watch them just because I remember being seven years old and loving it, you know, mm-hmm. but honestly, if I, if I didn't grow up with them that way, I probably wouldn't think they're that great. Yeah. <laughs> but I will tell you that Corey Feldman, speaking of 80s actors, yeah, Corey Feldman uh, is the, uh, I guess you could say, star of a really interesting news uh, story mm. this week. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk to you about this, Eric. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to really read into this. I but, looked into uh, it a little, yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> Corey Feldman claims that Marilyn Manson sabotaged his heavenly tour in 2017 mm-hmm. by planting moles in his band. Yeah. Uh, Corey Feldman actually told Consequence the heavenly tour was defined the exact opposite of that. It was the hellish tour. Mm. But that was due to infiltration. We had people that were sent in that were spies that were not there to be musicians but were there to cause mayhem. They were purposely singing off key, playing wrong parts, doing stuff like that. So we could get negative attention and get negative reviews. And then made all these terrible allegations after the tour ended saying that we didn't feed them. We didn't pay them and didn't shower just stupid stuff. Hmm. Feldman links the sabotage to some circumstantial connections such as someone Feldman alleges being one of Manson's girlfriends was a backup singer in the group. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That uh, This was all uh, on metal injection. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this story is about four days old. There's, there's some things to unpack there. Uh, yeah. I got to wonder why Marilyn Manson would care enough about Corey well, Feldman to do that. There was a news story a couple of years ago about Corey Feldman, uh, saying that Marilyn Manson uh, was obsessed with him, that he tried to get him to break his sobriety, called and texted him a lot, and just basically mentally abused him. I love Corey Feldman. I think he's awesome. I think a lot of people pass him off as some sort of like crazy person, and he always has been or whatever. I don't really think that's true. Uh, But I do think maybe he exaggerates things it seems like yeah i don't know why marilyn manson would do this i don't know why he would go out of his way to ruin this to ruin this thing that i mean honestly was ruined from the start but yeah with that being said i I have some friends uh justin and heather and uh, they went to this concert um, Uh and they loved it they said it was amazing uh that Corey feldman was just an amazing performer and all of the costumes and everything were awesome. Like they were really, really blown away by it. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, but I mean, that has to be slightly, I, you know, tongue in cheek as well. I mean, at the same time, yeah, I don't know why Marilyn Manson would do this to Corey Feldman, but I also, unless he is kind of delusional, I don't know why Corey Feldman would, make it up either yeah so um, like it just doesn't make sense on hardly well, any level so. okay so i'm also a giant cory feldman fan oh i'm sure cory feldman starred in basically my two favorite movies of all right. time stand by me 
And then also he voiced Donatello right. in the first Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah. Uh, but also he was in so many, like License to Drive. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Dream a Little Dream. Which uh, is psychotic. Very psychotic. It's great. It's, it's such a weird movie. It is. Uh, it's extremely weird. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you I, I, like yeah. weird movies, you need to see that movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's nuts. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, he has such Gordon, a nice mix of uh, things that are bad and good and weird. Yeah, and I love his album, <laughs> Corey Feldman's album. Yeah, there's a little bit of irony why I like it, but it sure. it really is an experience to listen to. Wow, I'm going to have to do it, that. I mean, it, it really is. And, and yeah. I might be overstating it, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I might be... Um, yeah. Uh, but here's the thing. We're also, you got to remember a couple things about Corey Feldman. We're also dealing with somebody who has confessed to being um, basically uh, traded um, as a child actor, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for sexual favors in Hollywood. Yeah. He, he um, was, I don't know if he ever did, but I think he, I know at one time he was going to release the actual names of yeah he like, did people he in did. hollywood that yeah. actually you know did like molest him and right. trade him he made off. a movie about it and, and, that's right yeah and so we're say de- who did it so we're dealing with somebody too that has uh emotional trauma and sure also i think marilyn manson has emotional trauma as Absolutely. well and would not yeah. be surprised if marilyn manson experienced a lot of the same things I think Marilyn Manson kind of seems like this is this is what my assessment is of Marilyn Manson. Mm-hmm. I think Marilyn Manson is at his core a probably in some cases a good person or tried to be a good person, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that he's dealt with so much so much shit and this is not to try and excuse some of the allegations or whatever, but I'm just saying mm-hmm. that I think that he's maybe kind of you can kind of tell in his music that he tries to kind of be tough sort of Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like be kind of a tough guy you know Mm -hmm. and so i think that manson maybe has experienced so much shit in terms of just like being pushed around like when he was like younger or whatever Mm -hmm. that he tries to compensate for that by being now like this bully himself Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so i could see it just Manson was just trying to be an asshole. You know what I mean? For sure. And maybe that's maybe that's what's going on. Maybe yeah. when Corey Feldman rejected some of his, I don't know, like when he, when he rejected him trying to be like his friend or whatever, and mm-hmm. you know, rejected, hey, uh, I'm not gonna drink with you. I'm not gonna go mm-hmm. do these things with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe Manson is just because Manson does seem like an asshole. I don't know, man. It's it's crazy. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, like, it's, I don't know. It's not too crazy to me that he would, Manson would do something like this because Manson does genuinely seem like he yeah. can be, he can be a shithead. Like, you know? but here's the thing I don't understand. Corey Feldman didn't provide any logistics in any of That's this. true. I mean, That's he true. said, oh, I put out an open casting for people. So, okay. But the other claim on this is that Marilyn Manson, that Corey Feldman also had Marilyn Manson's bus and bus driver 
and the bus kept breaking down and stuff. And so that was part of the sabotage. Oh, wait, what? I didn't catch yeah. that part. Yeah. Why so, the hell would he have Marilyn Manson's bus? Well, that's the thing. I mean, if Marilyn Manson's on a tour, I guess that that would be available to, for rent or whatever. So wait, and, was he was he like touring with Manson no, too? No, oh, okay. I think this was he just rented the bus. But he also got oh. Marilyn Manson's bus driver. So I don't so, know if it's a package deal or what. So if if yeah. Manson's like, you take the bus, but you're gonna have yeah, to take Larry that, here. That's the thing, is like he never said, like, yeah, I reached out to Marilyn Manson to rent his bus. He's just that's, like, I I rented a bus and it just happened to be Marilyn Manson's bus. Ew. It's like, I don't know, man. And then like his uh, Marilyn Manson's girlfriend joins the band. Okay. Yeah. Corey Feldman didn't know that. Yeah. And when he found out like, and, and the other claim was that somehow Marilyn Manson was calling ahead to venues so that they would book super dark, aggressive bands to be the opener which didn't obviously match the tone of his performance <laughs> like, it's like oh, marilyn manson doesn't have that kind of pull dude i'm sorry like, i want to just call a venue and say hey yeah cory yeah. feldman's coming right <laughs> you gotta make sure show you and let's get the most aggressive dark band in town it's like that's psychotic okay i didn't read that far into it i guess uh yeah yeah that's dark heavy bands i yeah. want to know what dark heavy bands open this tour you know that's that's a pretty good research project I think yeah no shit i'm curious about that <laughs> the way i read it was Corey was presenting this really upbeat fun sort of thing and they were ruining it by having <laughs> these monstrous bands open and i think that Corey feldman had a bad tour and he yeah. looked for excuses. As and I also don't terrible. think I I think I think <laughs> you're probably right. I also don't think that uh dark heavy bands uh uh-huh. would ruin the tour anyway. And if anything, yeah. it would enhance it because a lot of people that went to go see Corey Feldman, a lot of people who just went to do that are like were like people like me who are like, I want to go see what this shit's about. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to tell you, in this, even though I don't believe Corey Feldman, and I do um, think it's just him trying to justify why his tour went so poorly and stuff, if it really came down to them as people, I would choose Corey Feldman. I don't, oh, I mean, definitely, definitely. I um, like him a lot. He's in a lot of movies that I, I literally love, like well, more than usual, like Rock and Roll High School Forever, one yeah, of my favorite yes, terrible yes, movies. Yes. Oh, so bad. Yes. What's the, the the theme song is Rock and Roll High School forever and ever. It's so good. It's wow, like Rock and Roll High School. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. The Ramones movie, except it's Corey Feldman dressed as Michael Jackson. Yeah, and Corey oh, Feldman phenomenal. dressed as Michael Jackson. Come on, man. Yeah, he did that in everything. Like even Dream a Little Dream. And, yes. Yes. And even no, not really the Burbs, but. Yeah, he found a way to dress like Michael oh, Jackson in almost about everything. Burbs. Isn't he great in the Burbs? Yes, he is great yes. in the Burbs. Yes. And the Lost Boys. Lost Boys. And, I mean, Friday the 13th, the final chapter, which is the best Friday the 13th movie. Crispin Glover does his dance in it. And I then Gremlins. Oh, my God. Yeah, so Gremlins. He's, yep. he's amazing. Yep. Forgot he was in Gremlins. But yeah. <laughs> to me, he'll always be Gordy and Stand By Me, man. Yeah, great. And Donatello. Yeah. Ninja Turtles. <laughs> but 
Gordy, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Wait, I wish he... I would have went to that show. I really do. But uh, yeah, man, freaking Corey Feldman though as Gordy yeah. and Stand by Me, man. Oh, it's it's my favorite. I love it when they're sitting around the campfire debating like what Goofy is. Yeah, right. You know, like they're talking about the Disney characters and then tell that yeah. story about the pie eating contest. Yeah. It's Classic stuff. stuff. Stand by Me really was relatable, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Such a great good movie. movie. Yeah. But yeah, and I, I always related with the part where they had leeches on their junk. Yes, absolutely. Yes. That happened. I mean, it happened to me all the time when I was a kid, but I mean, it still happens pretty often. <laughs> you get leeches on your. No, I don't. Okay. It was all it was all a lie. <laughs> I was gonna be like, so what where are you going? A secret spot. I don't want everyone to know. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Where to swim to get leeches in your tidy whities <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and the tidy whities And then like he's like, oh shit. And then he passes yeah. out. Yeah, that's what I do all the time. Pretty much every weekend. <laughs> it's my deal. <laughs> going it's out like, to my secret spot to get leeches in my underpants <laughs> honestly and i'm being 100 serious if you have li are are listening to this show and you have not seen stand by me i highly recommend checking it out yeah and if you have seen stand by me check out rock and roll high school forever forever <laughs> yes <laughs> come on everybody it's record time all right so my pick this week is by a band called Whorehound. If you don't know, Whorehound is a delicious old-timey candy. Uh, I don't know if they just love the candy or, you know, it's just a good good, good name for a band. So, Whorehound, the record is called Collapse, came out this year, 2022. Uh, they're from Pittsburgh, and it happens to include uh, my best friend from when I was a kid, Russ Johnson. He plays bass in it. Uh, Holy shit, are you serious? Yeah, he doesn't go by Rusty anymore, and I'm going to try as hard as I can not to say Rusty. But Oh, does he not like being called that or something? Yeah, he kind of, he goes by Russ now. Wow, <laughs> I did not realize that he was in this band. Yeah. Uh, hi, yeah. Russ. Okay, anyway. So, the full disclosure. Yeah. But yeah, this is I think this is really cool stuff. And I have listened to their older stuff, too. So, when this came out, I was pretty excited to hear it. And it kind of just follows the, the same trajectory that uh, the other releases did. It is sludgy, atmospheric, gloomy, heavy, stoner rock, stoner metal. Yeah, definitely metal. But it does bring a couple of different elements to it. I think that the performances are great all around. Each instrument is holding down their section of the heaviness, like with command. Like, there's nothing lacking here. Everything is solid and dense and heavy. But it also does go into these more atmospheric moments, especially with the, the vocals. Uh, Shy Kennedy is the singer. Her vocals go from really, it's an extreme range. Really pretty, effortless, ethereal, to just total, brutal, guttural, black, death kind of stuff. It's very... Very guttural, almost a dry lung, but with the screechiness of black metal. I don't know how to describe it exactly, but it's pretty intense. That adds a different element to it. And then I think the rest of the band also is very comfortable being in that stoner, sludgy, doom kind of thing with moments where it picks up and has some movement and 
isn't just sort of that standard Sabbath worship, but it, it definitely does a lot of other things besides that too. The guitars are slinky and heavy. And what I mean by that is they kind of slide between the chords. It, it's not super rigid. Like it has, a lot of this is just moving, a lot of movement. Like I said, the progressions are slow and the levels of distortion on the guitar are impenetrable. Like it is almost just like, it's like that distortion that almost turns into static. Yeah, and then Rusty on the bass. The bass is always moving, uh, always moving. Very geezer-esque, great tone, uh, especially when he kicks on the fuzz. Rusty actually does make pedals now, so I wonder how many of these tones are his creations. I think that's a fun thing to think about. The drums are super solid. They're swingy at times. They're plodding at times, yet aggressive and super confident. Every hit is pure confidence and, and just solid in the pocket. Yeah, I I think this would fit in really well. If they ever came through Iowa, I think they could play with Dryad and it would be pretty an amazing matchup. But anything that sort of has that doomy element to it, but also kind of blackened death kind of elements to it as well. I didn't have a long list of things that I felt this sounded like because I think it's easy to go down the road and just say all the doom metal bands, but that's not really an accurate description. You know, I think it has elements that other bands have, but I don't think it's the same as those things either. But yeah, I, I had a really fun time listening to it. And, it, it, you know, it's weird because it almost has a goth element to it. When it's during the more ethereal kind of verse parts and things, it definitely is different. Um, it kind of reminded me of the Blackwater Holy Light that we reviewed not that long ago, as far as that style of vocal. When it went into the heavier vocal, it reminded me a lot of the Lingua Ignata that we also reviewed. So that kind of level of brutal vocals, if you know, if you've listened to that. And then from there, you know, Sleep, Clutch, Sabbath, all that stuff. But yeah, I think it brings a lot of different elements together and presents a pretty different experience within this sort of sludgy uh, doom metal kind of thing. Yeah, so I just really enjoyed it. And they are kind of a smaller band. I think they're getting bigger shows um, and they're pretty well known in the Pittsburgh area. But I thought some people here in Iowa or listeners of the show would also be pretty into it too. So yeah, what'd you think, Dan? I thought this was some of the best metal that I've heard in a, in a long time. Like I, I really, really enjoyed this a lot. Yeah, like you mentioned, Eric, um, I think it's, it just very powerful and riff oriented. I mean, the riffs mm -hmm. um, I thought were just amazing. Um, and yeah, the vocalist, um, I loved how she would go between the soft and heavy dynamics mm -hmm. in, in the, within the songs. And um, she has one of the most intense screams. I, I mean, I think it fit perfectly with the really heavy, riffy parts and honestly it's it's interesting you mentioned dryad because honestly her vocals reminded me a lot of claire from dryads mm -hmm. yeah. and also molly from closet witch yeah um, i agree like really really but then when she would sing it really put me in mind of like i don't know like cat from babes in toyland or like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, some maybe even like Courtney Love when she does like the softer parts, like mm -hmm. there was kind of this element of like 
that sort of thing going on with with her singing um with her singing parts and as far as like the production goes it almost had like at times like you mentioned uh you know sort of atmospheric mm-hmm. like it created almost like this ambience that at times almost had like i would almost say like shoegazy at parts or mm-hmm. something like that yeah. but the way that the guitar and bass would play off each other and the tones that they kind of had together uh came off very hypnotic and uh now that i know that rusty is the bass player it totally makes sense because the bass was actually in certain parts one of my favorite things about this whole thing Mm -hmm. because uh the bass parts were very groovy and so you mentioned the black sabbath comparison Mm -hmm. totally 100 percent a geezer butler type thing but Mm -hmm. the production when it gets heavy it had this like you kind of mentioned like the black sort of goth thing Mm -hmm. which also kind of created i would say like almost like a noise metal element that Mm. would remind me of like today is the day but when i say like noise i don't mean like massive walls of feedback or anything just you know like the guitars were just really really had this like crazy sound to it that i i really have not heard much in metal but like it reminded me of like today is the day or even some of the stuff that buzz osborne would do when he gets maybe just a tad bit experimental with his sound or whatever. I don't know. That's, that's how it sounded to me. Um, and then as far as the drums go, man, the snare had this like crazy snap to it that I loved. It did. Yeah. And yeah. really just like the cymbals sounded like thunder crashes. Hmm. This is what's funny. I was listening to this album uh, during the thunder, the crazy thunderstorm we had on <laughs> yeah. Friday night. Mm-hmm. And there honestly legitimately were times where I couldn't tell if I was listening to the drums <laughs> nice. or if I was listening to the thunder happening outside. It really is that great. Yeah, man, the the singer, amazing. Like, And also the other thing that I want to say is she has a beautiful singing voice, like mm-hmm. a really just gorgeous singing voice that it kind of has a rugged quality to it, which I think kind of, that's sort of why maybe I it, I would compare it to like Cat from Babes in Toyland or uh, mm-hmm. Celine from Seven Year Bitch or something like that when she does the singing parts. But yeah, I mean, for me, like I would say that if you'd like all the bands that Eric mentioned, you know, because like you said, it, it would be easy to really go down the list mm-hmm. and just li- list off a bunch of sludge metal bands or whatever. But I also think there was a, a an element of like in certain parts I could imagine this not being out of place on like an amphetamine reptile roster Mm, or something mm -hmm. just sound wise. I would also say like electric wizard Melvin's, but also Mm -hmm. I think that if you're a fan of, you know, babes in Toyland hole and stuff like that, you can maybe find something that you would Mm -hmm. like here as well. Obviously they're quite a bit heavier than, than those bands, but still those bands were pretty heavy too, you know, Mm -hmm. and also Blackwater Holy light for sure. Uh, dryad closet witch and i would even say to a certain extent tool like yeah, you know absolutely yeah some of the some of the um slower stuff in particular well they weren't a particularly fast band to begin mm-hmm. with but some of the more ambient stuff really reminded me of some of the more like you mentioned eric ethereal stuff mm-hmm. uh that tool uh kind of messes around with yeah so for sure this this was really some of the most interesting metal that i've heard in quite a while so that makes it even like i did no research on this band whatsoever Mm -hmm. 
And um, part of that was because I know that Eric uh, usually uh, well researches the bands that he listened to. So I like to, um, you know, kind of get my education from hmm. like mm-hmm. your pick from you when we're on this podcast, Eric. So mm-hmm. you're hearing my reaction in real time. <laughs> I think that that's, I had no idea that Rusty was the bass player. And yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, yeah. Rusty, if you don't like me using that name i apologize <laughs> it's nearly um, impossible to change it now <laughs> yeah mean, yeah i mean um, not for people he's meeting now of course sure sure i mean i knew him since i was i don't even know so exactly really to... yeah that makes it even cooler that for sure there's a guy that we both know in this band i, mm-hmm. I had no idea this is that's amazing yeah good good job whorehound man and i had no idea that there was a candy called whorehound you should try it it's interesting. You know those, uh, they're like paper bag candy. They have them at like the Walgreens or whatever, the drugstore. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like lemon drops and anise. Yep. And that's where you'll find Whorehound. Interesting. And I can't What's... describe the flavor. I mean, you can't really, describe it at all. Like a weird ass root beer barrel, maybe. Oh, okay. okay. Like a root, a root tasting root. I don't know. Hmm. Like more rooty. So it's like not, Sepultura. Not, not Rudy starring Corey Haim. Uh, it's like Sepultura candy. You know, yeah, roots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bloody roots. Yeah. <laughs> bloody, bloody roots. You know, that is what it tastes like. It tastes like bloody root beer barrels. <laughs> it just has that little bit of iron flavor in there. Interesting. Mm. It's got iron flavor too. That's, That's so gross. God. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of make me want to not try it now. Yeah, no, I actually, try that. Yeah. I love root beer barrel candy, man. That used to be wow. one of my favorites. Get some Whorehound. It's good. And then it's dusted, you know, like those other candies. I always find sure. that interesting. Sure. I don't know what's on them. I mean, it, they're old timey, so it might be cocaine. <laughs> yeah, it could be. You never know. I mean, they, they had cocaine and everything. I yeah, guess. I'm sure. I don't know. Yeah. I, Who knows? Who knows? It's not really my thing. I mean, I'll drink it if it's in a pop. You know, right. That, that's okay. <laughs> Other than that, it's like a really bad drug and you're immoral for doing it. Exactly. You yeah. gotta you yeah. gotta retain your morals. Anyway, right. so <clears throat> on to my pick now. Um all right. <laughs> so enough drug talk. My pick is uh from Jim Lindbergh, and the name of this record is Songs from the Elkhorn Trail. Uh so Jim Lindbergh is the vocalist from Pennywise, who is a skate punk band from California. They're on Epitaph Records, have been for many, many years. I feel like they probably don't need much of an introduction as they are kind of one of the bigger bands from that uh, area. Pretty well known, kind of like, you know, obviously they're not Green Day in terms of that or even Rancid, but you know, Pennywise, no effects. I feel like most people know them at this point. Uh, bad religion, stuff like that. I have to admit, I didn't listen to Pennywise that much. However, there is one album that they released in 1995 that I love. Uh, and it's called About Time. And mm-hmm. also, I believe, has one of the best music videos uh, by the name of Same Old Story. Uh, with this kid who um, the beginning of it shows this kid uh, grabbing a carton of milk out of the refrigerator and he starts drinking it straight from the carton. And this 
like his dad or whatever, slams the refrigerator door and says, I told you a thousand times, stop drink milk out of the carton, kid, and then slaps him in the face. Jeez. And then the kid, and then the wow. kid takes the milk, throws it yeah. in his face, grabs a skateboard, and then leaves. And then the Damn. whole video is him skateboarding. Wow. Like through the whole town. It's great. So it's like the well, the more modern version of uh we're not gonna take it. Kinda, yeah, we're not gonna take it, or even like to a certain extent, possessed to skate by suicidal tendencies. Oh yeah, the parents in that are are not very supportive. They're very weird. Right. It's Timothy right. Leary and Mary Warrenoff from <laughs> yeah. Rock and Roll High School. Rock and Roll oh High School. Oh my God! Yeah. Everything comes around. Everything is connected. Wow. Everything is connected. Yeah, uh, is so heavy. Wow. Yes. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> for people who are fans of Pennywise, like I said, I love that one album, and I used to listen to it all the time as a kid. But that's really where. Pennywise kind of stopped with me, not because I don't mm. like them, but because I just I never really pursued anything further. But that album is a kick-ass skate punk album, in my opinion. So many great songs on it. I don't think that people who are fans of Pennywise are going to be that surprised that they're getting an album from the singer that sounds like this. Um for one thing, I think he's got a really, really great voice. It is very similar and always has been to Greg Graffin from Bad Religion. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that his voice lends itself very well to what he's doing here. And what he's doing here is really great singer-songwriter stuff, um, in my opinion. And the thing that sets it apart from Pennywise is not really the songs themselves because honestly if i'm being completely honest these songs could easily be pennywise songs hmm. a lot of them maybe not all of them but a lot of them could be pennywise songs if they're sped up with a little bit of distortion thrown in but mm -hmm. the addition of acoustic guitars organs horns um there's even some harmonica and there's even some uh accordion and just a bunch of things bunch of different like sort of um bunch of different percussions thrown in and of course the slowed down tempos that's what really makes this stand out from uh pennywise and it's not even really unheard of especially if there's something about a lot of front men from punk rock bands from this era kind of going acoustic i mean it happened with chuck reagan from hot water music greg graffin from bad religion did it himself and it always kind of works in a lot of ways, I think. Mm -hmm. um, of all of the ones that I just mentioned, this, for some reason, uh, just really stood out for me. I, I really, really just enjoyed this. It has an America Americana element to it. But at the heart of these songs, like I mentioned before, I think these are punk rock songs, which there's value there. I think it's mm -hmm. really, really good stuff. Um, in my opinion, I, I, I could see a lot of, a lot of the uh, inspirations that he probably was drawing from. Like I could see maybe some Neil Young, maybe some Dylan, maybe some Springsteen or John Mellencamp or something like that. But, uh, you know, also there's sort of like a, and this is kind of funny being, being that they're from like uh, California, but almost like a Midwest 
Paul Westerberg or replacements type thing in general kind of going on. I could also see it compared to Chuck Reagan or Greg Graffin and their solo material, Rumble Seat, maybe a little bit of Mountain Goats. Against Me was uh, definitely mm. a band that kind of would go between, in their early days, go between the acoustic stuff. and. But the songs are straightforward. And I think a lot of the lyrics are about hope and, you know, just kind of positive thinking or just kind of, I guess you could just say introspective introspection in this in these songs mm -hmm. like yeah. you could definitely tell that jim is the age that he is which mm -hmm. uh last i checked i think he was 57 mm. or something like that i you know i just think that sometimes you just need music like this it's not there's there's no new ground being being broken it's nothing super experimental or avant-garde nothing about that but it mm. doesn't need to be it's it is what it is and you know, from beginning to end, I really did not hear a bad track um, on this thing. Sometimes it does get a little, I will say, it does get a little too close for comfort to like modern pop country in a couple of mm -hmm. places. But I don't think it's done in a, in a cheesy or insincere way. Like it doesn't seem to me, you can kind of tell when people are going maybe that direction or fiddling mm -hmm. with it a little bit that they're trying to do it to achieve some sort of, I don't know, radio spot or something. And I know that may kind of sound almost a little me being like, uh, the, like my punk rock side is coming out or whatever, but you know, you can kind of tell the difference. I don't think that Jim Lindbergh, like there's no, like from the sounds of it, you can tell that there's no delusion here that he's going to be like, Blake Shelton or something it's not you know what I mean and and it doesn't even really go that far into that realm to begin with there just maybe are a couple of times where I can kind of hear that but it's not done in a bad way it's actually really good um you can definitely tell it was written by a uh aging punk rocker um and like I said I think Jim's voice lends itself very well to this I think the songs are really great it's catchy as hell and it, you know, it basically follows the formula of four, four, uh, verse, chorus, verse. And that's okay. Sometimes a person just needs to hear that. Also, I just think mm -hmm. the lyrics for as straightforward as they are, I can relate to a lot of it. I think a lot of it is just relatable. Uh, me, you know, kind of getting older. And that's sort of what I think he's singing about in a lot mm -hmm. of it. I will yeah. say, though. It does take kind of a strange turn on this track called the basement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where he true. throws in he throws in a drum machine and there's some horns and that that's a weird one. And and I think that's awesome. I think that was a great sort of a curveball thrown in. It's almost like he kind of said, All right, I'm singing a lot about growing old and you know, I'm I'm kind of getting tired of this. Let's Let's kind of, you know, let's let's take a break from that for like two minutes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I thought I thought that was kind of cool that he kind of just placed that in the middle of the record, or mm -hmm. I, I think it was closer to the end or whatever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, overall, I just thought this was a really enjoyable listening experience. Uh, what'd you think, Eric? Yeah, I did like it. And honestly, the second time I listened to it, I liked it a lot more. The first time, you know, here's the thing. The first time I listened to something, I listened with a very critical ear. And right. 
And I mean, because that's what we're doing on this show. You know what sure. I'm saying? Sure. But a lot of times if I listen to something the second time, I sort of hear it not from a critical standpoint, but trying to think about what they were trying to accomplish. Yeah. And with the means that they have, and did they do that? And I have to say, totally, Jim Lindbergh did that, what he wanted to do. I have never listened to Pennywise. I, I can't even name a Pennywise song. It's not that I dislike him. I just, I missed it. You know, I I didn't spend a lot of time in the 90s uh, listening to punk rock. Uh, hardly at all. Unless it was, you know, kind of more extreme, like the older hardcore or some of the crossover, for sure. I spent time with that stuff. But I didn't listen to a lot of uh, punk rock in the 90s. So anyway, but this is really well done. The songs are well written. They're well performed. I do think there's a f- bit of a feeling of, I feel like Jim Lindbergh made this in his in a studio, like on his own. And that, that doesn't mean that other people didn't play on it or that it sounds bad because it sounds great. It just sort of has that feel to it of, of one person making something, which is awesome. I mean, that's how I do things. And so I'm not going to put it down, obviously, but uh, it just sort of has that feeling to it. Uh, someone who had enough time to explore all the things they wanted to explore in a song, you know, like, well, let's add a tambourine or let's add this. And you can, you can sort of hear that, but it doesn't, it doesn't affect anything. It's just sort of a sound that happens in that kind of recording scenario. Because of that, the arrangements are very sparse and open. It's, but they're really classy and, um, and subtle and good, you know, just a really nice arrangements, really thought out. The parts are very, um, I don't know, they fit really well and and they're well written. I think that this, when it first started, I was kind of like, okay, I think this is going to be like that crusty acoustic kind of gypsy punk thing, but it, it wasn't necessarily. It had elements of that. I think it could exist in a rotation of that kind of music. You know, if you like, I don't know, I, there's all kinds of examples. Um, maybe like the goddamn gallows or something like that. If you like that, you'll probably like this, even though it doesn't really sound like it. There's a lot of elements of folk, punk, singer, songwriter. There are elements of poppiness to it. There's some mariachi that shows through, and I think that's probably just like a SoCal kind of thing, you know? But the instrumentation, like Dan said, is cool. Mostly, I would say every song for sure has an acoustic guitar and a tambourine, but also string sections, piano, like I said, mariachi sort of horns, and they're all played really well. I I would assume that, you know, he probably could get the best players that he knows, and it shows. It's really good stuff. It starts out really, I think, really positive and uplifting. And sort of as it goes on, we move into this more like, I can't, I don't have another word for it except for old guy stuff. And I, I, that sounds stupid, but it's like, you know, reminiscing your life, you know, regrets and frustrations, nostalgia, and how you deal with it, like drinking too much or maybe being a little jaded and things like that. And that's what these songs are about. And like Dan said, there's a place for that. There's a time that you want to listen to that stuff and you want to feel those things. And 
I got to say, this might be the most obvious example of that, you know, to go to. If that's how you're feeling, I think this record will be perfect. Yeah, I didn't have a lot to compare it to because I don't want anyone to think that this sounds like that kind of, you know, dark gypsy folk where it's kind of like the forced darkness. It has like a, almost like a horror element to it or something. But this is nothing like that. So my only um, comparisons that I could really even think of were uh, Get Dead, which we covered on here. Lars Fredrickson has a, not and the Bastards, but just Lars Fredrickson has sort of an EP that is acoustic and sounds like this. Elements of it reminded me of Raining Sound, mostly the vocals, and maybe, I don't know, something like Freddie Johnston. For some weird reason, I got that kind of coming through as well. Uh, it was kind of funny, though, because the 90s punk that I have listened to, it feels like a lot of those albums always included an acoustic song for the last song or like a secret song or hidden track or whatever they called them. And that's sort of what this feels like, is like those last acoustic songs or hidden tracks on 90s punk records. And I mean, that makes perfect sense because that's sort of what it is. So I ended up really liking it. The second time through, I found a lot to latch onto and enjoy. So I would say if you do listen to it, you know, maybe go into it with a little more open mind than I did at first, but I think you'll really like it if, if you like all the things we mentioned. Absolutely. And also I think that listening to it more than once, uh, you know, maybe a good way to kind of pick up on the fact that just these songs are just undeniably catchy, you mm -hmm. know, they just really sure. grab onto you. And that's an interesting description though. I never thought about that. That is very true. There was kind of like this, weird trope with like 90s punk records where they yeah. would always do like these hidden songs mm -hmm. or just sort of like secret tracks or whatever that takes <laughs> us to the local uh review of the week this is local it's from this band called dose uh they're a hardcore band from des moines um i don't know do you have I have you do you happen to know anybody in this band? Or no, I don't. I don't think I know any of them. Their names all for some reason seem like people I know. <laughs> I, I kind of have like this, yeah. I kind of have this feeling that this group may be comprised of people that I've crossed paths with yeah. before. I, I don't know. I just kind of have that feeling, but I don't yeah. know for sure. Um, so they're a hardcore band from Des Moines, and they I guess recently signed to Life and Death Brigade Records. They got a record deal, which that is out of Louisville, Kentucky. So congrats to these, cool. these guys for uh, doing that. Um, this is their self-titled debut album. And man, this is uh, just really intense hardcore. There are a, a few surprises. A uh, couple of things on here that I thought were really interesting and really good. Not saying that intense hardcore is not interesting but there's definitely some things here that are not just 100 percent very intense hardcore but you know for the most part no surprises no bells and whistles just very heavy riffy hardcore short songs you know like i said very powerful very intense and what this really reminds me of is late 90s 2000s hardcore you know i hear a little bit of like maybe hate breed 
maybe Boy Sets Fire, uh, maybe a little bit of Bane even. Uh, modern life is war for sure. Uh, a matter of fact, I do think, and I kind of hate, I hate to say this cause I know modern life is war is also another Iowa hardcore band, but I mean, in all honesty, the singers vocals really did kind of remind me of Jeff Eaton's a mm-hmm. little bit, uh, touche more. I would even say that there's a little bit of like maybe suicidal tendencies going mm-hmm. on here inside out early refused agnostic front stuff like that one thing that i thought was really cool about this and this is kind of what i mean by no surprises is sort of inaccurate uh there were a lot of voice clip samples that they put Mm -hmm. throughout the album which i thought was really cool and then there's also this instrumental track called threat beat which has a trap style drum beat and a sample of a news clip about des moines uh, played over this gloomy, distorted bass line, which is only like a minute long or something like that. But it really shows an interest, in my opinion, that these guys are at least somewhat interested in some experimentation and maybe not, maybe interested in doing some things that maybe are a little more, uh, well, experimental. I thought that that was really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, really, it's really fast and really short. I mean, it's, what is it, 12 songs, is it? And 15 minutes or 10 songs or something like that? Mm, 10 songs. Okay, 10 songs. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really, really just quick. Like, it really just kind of goes in and doesn't let up, save for a couple of uh, interesting, you know, little, like, interludes or whatever. I'm not the biggest hardcore aficionado, but I have listened to my fair share of it. And I would say that I've listened enough to know that this, in my opinion, is top quality hardcore. And I could see these guys going places with it. That there's, We've had a lot of really good, interesting hardcore in Iowa. And so, you know, like Modern Life is War, 10 grand, whatever, that... I just I could definitely see these guys kind of taking that torch and just continuing the the tradition of like really good quality hardcore. Um, I really enjoyed this. There's no denying this is just really well done hardcore. What did you think, Eric? Yeah, I thought it was awesome. I um, listened to this one twice as well, because sometimes when you get an idea in your head at the beginning of listening to a record, you just keep hearing that throughout. And it may be inaccurate or it might be accurate, but I'll get back to that. Anyway, yeah, the super aggressive, fast, brutal breakdowns, it's pretty much full tension all the time. I mean, it's just very uh, intense music. To me, though, it I don't know much about 2000s, 90s hardcore, hardly at all. I, I hate to keep saying that, but I just, it wasn't really my thing. But yeah, so for me, it, it felt a little more like old school hardcore um, because that's all I really have to compare to in my brain. Uh, but sort of the dark hardcore. I don't know how to explain that. There's no poppiness to it. There's no humor to it necessarily. Uh, it's just pretty dark uh, with elements of crossover for me, for sure. Really great performances, super aggressive, technical, deliberate. Uh, cool guitar and bass tones. The drums switch like on a dime between time signatures. And they actually include a lot of um, 
tom work that's almost uh tribal at times and that it keeps kind of occurring throughout but yeah i love the vocals uh like you said i i did actually sort of hear a little bit of uh modern life in there and how things move a little bit too but again you know when we review records the truth of the matter is we only have what's in our brain to compare things to you know what i mean like i can't yeah, sat there and say this. This sounds like Bane to me because I've never heard that, so I don't know. So you're getting like, like I've said before, you're getting this filtered through the brain of an old dude who only has old things to <laughs> compare it to. So yeah. uh, for me though, it definitely had this crossover element to it. Um, especially, I mean, like I was saying, the first time through from the jump, I was like oh shit, this sounds like Suicidal's first record. Like, really a lot. And not like they're taking from it or trying to sound that way, but just how it works and moves and comes together. It has, and I don't mean like, I saw your mommy and your mommy's dead, like the more like funnier stuff or even institutionalized. But the other songs on there, I don't even know, like Fascist Pig or I Want More or something like that. uh, Very... I, very similar, you know, and Suicidal is one of my favorite bands and that's in spite of everything they put out. But the first record is untouchable. I mean, yeah. that is for me, like the birth of crossover and people might disagree with me, but as far as being an ambassador for crossover, for getting it out there and yeah. and being an influence, that record's huge. Right. So the first time listening to this, I, I just kept hearing all that Suicidal and so I listened to it again to see if I was right. And I still think I, I hear a lot of that for sure. But I also heard more like uh, just other crossover stuff, cryptic slaughter and things like that. But like I was saying, like the dark side of um, old school hardcore, there are certain bands that just had a sort of hopeless feeling to them for me. You know, they weren't positive. They weren't talking about the scene and shit they weren't talking this wasn't youth crew this is like negative approach or millions of dead cops or dr no or just a few that i kind of have that same feeling to me and I-, I like it a lot like i was saying i don't know if that's how a lot of hardcore so- sounds or not but that's sort of what this reminded me of and yeah i just i thought it was a lot of I don't want to say fun because it wasn't fun, but it was a lot of energy. You know, it it definitely made you feel like tense and wound up. And I'm sure that the uh, the show is amazing, you know, and I'd like to see him live sometime. I bet it just goes nuts. Uh, the next time I see that they're playing is October 8th at the Skylark in Rock Island uh, with the uh, to appear to die, which my friend Bert sings for. So mm. that should be a cool show. And yeah, like I said, I would love to see this live. And I would I really would like to know if they if they are big suicidal fans. Because it for both of us to notice that is pretty I mean, it's not that weird, but at the same time, there's so many things we could have latched onto, and that was one that yeah, seemed prominent. Definitely. So uh, I would say, yeah, if you are a fan of old school hardcore, especially those dark, the darker side of things, and and then crossover, 
I think this has elements of it. For I sure. thought it was really cool. So yeah, yeah good, good pick. You know what I think? Because I've been going down the suicidal tendencies rabbit hole lately. Nice. So I realized <laughs> that the only record for many years that I ever heard from them was that first one. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I still got to say, though, one of my absolute favorite suicidal songs mm-hmm. is Two-Sided Politics. Oh, yeah. So off good. Off that first record. That yeah. is so like, that honestly, and I'm not shitting you, that it might be the heaviest song I've ever heard. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, and maybe not. I mean, that that might be, but it is heavy as fuck. Yeah. Like it, it yeah. really is intense. It's just like the way that Mike Muir uh just like screams that and is just like yeah unrelenting. And it's just yeah. I I don't know, man. Like, and when I say heavy, I don't mean like heaviest in terms of like like oh, you know, distort it just really hits me just the way that his vocals are on that. And it's like a minute long and it's just so. Oh uh, Yeah, it is an amazing track. Uh, it really is. It I love everything about that track and I especially love how Mike Muir can barely get the words out. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. It's you know, just so, it's like, yeah, it's so funny. Like that first record just was so intense that it just felt like um, it felt like a lot of times when Mike was doing those vocals, he was having a breakdown or something, you know, like, yeah, it, it was just, oh yeah. man. Yeah. It's very so, emotive. Then, yeah. You can hear it. But then voice. like there's other songs on some of their later records, like mm-hmm. that are just so like, oh man, I'm trying to think of like what this, like it's, I'm trying to think of which one that I really, really liked. Uh, let me see if I can look it up here. But yeah, Suicidal Tendencies is such a great band. Yeah, and, and you're right, there's a lot to, to discover. So yeah, so, and oh, sorry. Like, go ahead. Oh no, and and you're right though. For us to both notice that, you know what I mean? Like that there was there seemed to be some sort of influence, you know? Yeah. It, it yeah, definitely. I well, I, I don't. I mean. Uh, Maybe, I mean, like I said, this is just getting filtered through our brains. And if that's what's on our minds, then that's what we're going to hear. So, yeah, no, you know, Dose might be like, you old fucks. We don't yeah, care the exact about suicidal tendencies. Like, yeah, whatever. We don't listen to this. Yeah, you're exactly right about that. Too. <laughs> you know? um, the one, okay, off of the album Lights, Camera Revolution, uh, mm-hmm. the song Alone. Yeah, Blows my mind. Yeah, he really got into the those... Um, kind of like long form tracks you know i think that yeah. uh the track how i laugh tomorrow when i can't even smile today i yeah. think the format for that song he he used it often after that and it it's really cool you know like it really is uh i'm trying to think of oh uh, there's one song uh shit yeah, of course, I can't remember offhand, but yeah, he uses that sort of sense a lot. And it, it's really cool. It's it's really emotionally pretty heavy stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and you can tell that that was odd because um, on the Controlled by Hatred, Feel Like Shit, Deja Vu EP yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. They have the How Will I Laugh Tomorrow heavy emotion version. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
which is more yeah. like acoustic-y. It's you like know? acoustic type stuff. But they, yeah. they had to obviously address that. They had to yeah. say, like, we know. We know that you're going to say, these guys aren't metal. These guys aren't hardcore. Right, right. And we have to address it even in the title of the song. You know what yeah. I mean? Yep. And yep. so to, yeah, to treat, I don't know, to go from that first record to what they became is really it's amazing strange stuff and does it fall off hell yeah absolutely like by the time we get to freedom yeah it's uh it's really more like an infectious grooves side project which is hilarious because yeah that's a side project of suicidal suicidal yeah when uh trujillo joined it like it just it was a different band and once well, Ro- rocky george left i mean those are huge things so the uh i don't think i've gotten to freedom yet uh i the the one that i'm on or that i just got done listening to was suicidal for life oh yeah and that's so i think freedom is the next one actually um, um let's see i don't remember I think I think freedom is the next one, but I could be wrong. Uh, one that I really like is join the army. Yeah, that is a really cool one because they were still sort of a hardcore band, Absolutely. but starting to get a little more metal. So yeah, yeah. yeah but I mean, you have like uh, possessed to skate on there. I mean, you can't yep. can't go wrong. Can't say oh, that's a metal song. Like it's no, just you can't. Not. Yeah, it it totally is not. Yeah, and even like War inside my head, uh, that kind of stuff. It's still it's still hardcore, but they definitely were getting closer. It was a big, big step, and I would like to say that it was brave, but I don't know if that's actually what happened. You know? No, yeah. I mean, I don't know what happened between those two. You know. So anyway, wow. We'll just keep talking about suicidal the rest. Yeah, we should probably. Uh, we should probably, yeah, at least in the show before we start, you know, wow. talking. All uh, right. Well, should we do the recap? <laughs> yeah, let's do the recap. We so, talked about Corey Feldman. Yeah, we a learned about lot. we learned about Corey Feldman, and then we also learned about Young Guns and Damn. Dream a Little Dream and all these '80s movies that yeah. you should watch. And Rock so, and Roll High School forever. And Rock. Oh yeah, and we also learned about Whorehound Candy. Yeah. Right. That's what we learned today. We learned about candy, stand by me, and that's really about it. Oh, suicidal tendencies, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we always talk about suicidal we always, tendencies. We always talk about suicidal tendencies and, and, and rock and roll high school forever. Yeah, we should mention that a few more times. Rock and roll we high should. school forever. Rock you and roll high school. You guys should watch it forever. if you can find it. And if you can't, write to me and I'll loan <laughs> you my VHS copy. All right. Oh my gosh. I'll do it. If anyone writes to me and says, I want to borrow that video. I will, I'll find a way to get it. It'd be funny if like, they they, like borrow it and then they're like, they like message you back. Oh, hey, uh, what do I do with this? How how does this work? I don't Uh, know if they made it on DVD. (laughs) This like a DVD player or what? Like, (laughs) Uh, it might um, be one of those movies that just, I don't know if they made it on DVD. Right. If you if you have any questions, because I'm sure that you guys have so many uh, after this episode, uh, you know, hit us up on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. And uh, anyway, uh, thanks for listening. And yeah, I hope you all have a wonderful week. We'll see you. Uh, 
well, in a couple in a weeks. couple weeks. All right, bye, y'all. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, it would be so cool to swing from a wire that could kill you.